Hello, how are you guys doing? It is your boy Maurice McMillan with another episode of the Don't Quote Me podcast. And I, as always, have a lot of shit I want to talk to y'all about. But first, I hope y'all are doing good. It is the 25th of July. It's, uh, I almost said September 2018, but uh, just 2018. So, um,. Let's just get into it. There's a couple of random things I want to mention. I've just decided every episode I'm going to start with some random shit. And that is... I think I might have a Korean barbecue addiction. Because on Friday I went out with a couple of friends. And we spent a lot of fucking money on uh, all-you-can-eat Korean barbecue. At this place called Q near Japantown. If you're ever in San Francisco. Um, So... Yeah, it's it's starting to take a toll on my wallet, man. And I'm already plotting about going back next week. And it's just, it's just a hot mess. It's so fucking good. And there's just so much of it. And I'm such a greedy piece of shit that I just, like, I can't go without it for, like, longer than, like, three weeks. So, yeah, it's, it's starting to get bad. And, and on top of that, what's even more fucked up is that I want to leave San Francisco. And now as more time is starting to pass, I'm realizing... That might be one of the top 10 things I miss the most when I leave is Yakini Q because that shit is off the fucking hook. And now I might have to uh, like chase down and find some kind of knockoff Korean barbecue replacement if I leave the country. Like if I go to Canada or like Australia or France or Germany or somewhere just away from Donald Trump and his his shit, like I, I would assume that their Korean barbecue scene is probably not as off the hook as ours is, but, um, you know, give and take, you know, pros and weaknesses and all that. But anyway, let's get into the shout outs. First off, I want to give a shout out to John Favreau. He, uh, used to work for Obama and, uh, he has a podcast. He has several podcasts right now. Um, he has, uh, Pod Save America. Um, they have technically, I want to say like Pod Save the World, but that's not really his thing. But um, so mainly Pod Save America, and now the Wilderness is why I'm giving him the shout out. So the Wilderness is basically this podcast about like the history of the Democratic Party and how the fuck we got here and how the fuck did we get out of it. And I uh, was at work trying to find something to listen to because I was I didn't feel like listening to music. And I had finally decided to give this uh, podcast a listen because I kept hearing them uh, talk about it on Pod Save America, which is like one of my favorite podcasts to listen to nowadays. And they, uh, I guess I was just bored enough. I was like, fuck it, I'm going to try it out. And then I listened to it. And within like, I want to say the first like 15 minutes of the first episode, I was like, yeah, I'm all in. And um, so now I'm almost done with episode four. And the show just started like a week ago, but he started it. He actually started his podcast similar to how I started mine. Where like when I went to uh, Anchor, I just dropped like the first four episodes of like all my like test runs or whatever at the same time. And so uh, his is more story based. So they all, uh, you know, follow up on each other. And his is only going to be 15 episodes. So uh, episode five aired on Monday. I haven't got there yet, but I'm definitely going to finish four and five tomorrow. And I highly recommend that podcast. It's very educational, very interesting. He has a lot of different uh, viewpoints and uh, people uh, giving quotes and shit. And what I appreciated was that it was an honest critique of, uh, in my opinion, it was an honest critique of why 
uh, Hillary Clinton lost and he actually talks about progressives and Bernie Sanders and he doesn't like talk about it like it's a bad word like everyone in the mainstream media he just like this is what happened like these are the facts okay like okay we thought this 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 and what happened but we probably should have been looking for this this and this and I was like okay that's fair you know and um, everybody can have your own opinion obviously but I'm really enjoying the first episode and second shout out goes to George Orwell which is funny because he's been dead since 1950 and the reason I'm giving him a shout out is because the his novel 1984 just keeps popping up in current events and keeps becoming more and more relevant and it's just really really sad how it really hasn't went away from being popular at fucking all and it, if anything, you would think, oh, this will never fucking happen. Now it just seems like almost a step-by-step playbook. And the reason why he's getting this shout-out, and actually leads me into my next shout-out, is because Trump fucking, you know, Trump being Trump, did yet another thing to be compared to 1984, which is basically a book, if you haven't read it, a book about a totalitarian government quote-unquote, in the future when the book was written. So this is from Time. There's a little quote that pretty much uh, summarizes why people keep talking about it now. And uh, let me uh, get you into this. President Trump drew comparisons to George Orwell's 1984 in an attack on the media during a speech of the Veteran of Foreign Affairs National... Uh, foreign Veterans of Foreign Wars National Convention Tuesday. In his address to the convention in Kansas City, Trump defended his decision to slap tariffs on the U.S. trade on his U.S. trading partners. As Trump told the crowd that it's all working out, he warned that those in the audience against believing what they see in the news. And he says, quote, what you're seeing and what you're reading is not what's happening, which is like the most gaslighting, bizarre shit Someone could say with a straight face, but you know, it's just, it's just par for the course for him. So, uh, he then, what, what's drawing the comparison is this one line in the book where Orwell says, the party told you to reject the evidence of your eyes and ears. It was their final, most essential command. And that pretty much summarizes the only way you can support Trump is you just have to distrust your eyes and ears. Up is down. Left is right. Black is white. Red is blue. Everything you think makes sense doesn't make sense. And everything you doesn't make sense you think doesn't make sense is fact. So that's the only way you can really follow this dude if you just bury your head in the sand and just throw logic out the window, maybe into a paper shredder. So um that's where we're at now. And it leads me into my next shout out, Lauren Hill. Why am I giving a shout out to Lauren Hill? Because she is naming this episode for me. If you've never heard her album, The Miseducation of Lauryn Hill, you probably don't know shit about R&B. But if you haven't heard it, she has this one song called Nothing Even Matters. Great song, not at all relevant to the political discourse of today, but the title is perfect for how I'm feeling in the moment and how shit seems to be going in the news on a daily basis, which actually kind of leads me into my next story. So... Before I get into the next story, I just want to talk about how it seems like Trump is just becoming increasingly afraid of reality. And it's really annoying because most recently he has just went for the like gas, 
Gaslighting Hall of Fame. And he has decided he is just going to flip the script and not make any sense in yet another creative way. So recently, he says that he's worried that Russia is going to interfere in the election after saying they didn't interfere for months and months and months. And then saying, of course, I said they interfered. You guys are crazy. And then saying, but no, 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 they didn't interfere. And then saying, yeah, yeah, of course they interfered. What are you talking about? And then saying, yeah, it's all a hoax as of like this weekend. And after all of that, he says that he thinks Russia is going to help the Democrats because they don't want Trump to win. Despite the fact that Putin's saying word for word, yes, I did. Yes, I did. When it comes to did you want Trump to win? Not even two weeks ago. Like a little over a week ago. Come on. Like he really does not expect shit from his followers. And they prove him right on a daily fucking basis. And honestly, I'm kind of curious to see how this pans out. Because I think that even if... Democrats do well in November. I'm I'm not I have not been unswayed in the slightest that I think he is gonna tough all this shit out because that seems to be what he does. He's a Teflon con. And um he's just gonna, you know, ride the waves until twenty twenty and get reelected. We we don't know how it's gonna happen, but we didn't know it was gonna happen last time. And I'm just getting ahead of the curve and saying I don't expect anything different. So when it does happen I hope I'm famous and y'all treat me like I'm a political savant, start paying me the big checks. And if I'm wrong, I'll just continue to talk shit here anyway. So, you know, it's all good. But as of right now, I'm convinced that Donald Trump is going to win re-election. And mainly because he's a rich white male and, you know, not on, on top of that, he's a legacy. And on top of that, he's a senior citizen. So he has not had to really work for anything and he is set in his ways. So we'll see what happens. But as I have said, and probably will say throughout the remainder of this episode, or at least the political section, it seems like nothing fucking matters anymore. And it just, it just nothing even matters. And it's just so fucking infuriating. And I feel like even at the worst case scenario, Trump does get impeached or has to resign or whatever. It's not like anything actually bad is going to happen to him other than some, you know, some good ass jokes on the Colbert show or like some good Twitter memes. But he's still going to be a rich white dude. And he ain't going to see the inside of a prison cell. You can quote me on that. And um, and pr- further proof of how I know he's not going anywhere anytime soon. Lead me into the breaking news of the day. And this story broke like as I started planning for this episode, like literally minutes as I started planning. And apparently, and and, uh, first off, what's even before I even tell you the story, I'm going to tell you the story the way I heard the story. So I first heard it on TYT and then I see the stories break on, uh, on Twitter and all of that shit. And the way I heard it is exactly how I'm going to deliver it to you. So GOP representatives have decided to bring up articles of impeachment. And then when I heard that, I said, what? Then they said, of Rod Rosenstein. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Fucking Republicans. Jesus Christ. Y'all go ride this nigga till the wheels fall off. And y'all just all in. I I have never seen a, a set of people by the millions be all in to this degree. Like we are seeing with the Trump supporter. It is amazing to watch. 
And it, it to to piggyback off of the wilderness that I was listening to earlier today, uh, they were talking to you know like people who actually worked with Hillary Clinton and you know worked on her campaign. So they were like really devastated the night Trump won, and like people were crying and shit. Someone like threw up like just out of like emotions. And I'm thinking to myself like, man, my black ass didn't expect that much from America to begin with. So this was only like so much like at the time at least. I was like, this could only be so much worse than Hillary Clinton. Obviously, it was significantly more worse than Hillary Clinton, but I thought it would just be, you know, normal worse, but nah, it's some like record level Hall of Fame worse. So, you know, as I, as I've said, it seems like nothing even matters. So let's get into the CNN article. House Freedom Caucus leaders, representatives Mark Meadows and Jim Jordan escalated their fight with the Justice Department, introducing a resolution to impeach Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein. The resolution is not a sign that the House is about to vote to impeach Rosenstein, as House Judiciary Chairman Bob Goodlatte and House Oversight Chairman Trey Gowdy, who have been pushing for documents from the Justice Department, did not sign on. The House is also leaving for a month-long recess on Thursday. So, you know, obviously not as drastic as the headline makes it sound. It's not going to happen overnight. You know, it's not like this nigga got to pack his, pack his box tomorrow. But, you know, they're definitely, you know, basically signing up for all the, the fascist jokes that people are going to make. Like, oh, we're a banana republic. Oh, it's a regime. You know, this is a joke. You're turning into authoritarians or totalitarians. Pick your word. You guys are horrible. Blah, blah, blah. You know, y'all just saying, like, we're just going to step right into that spotlight and just take the heat. And wow, that's all I really had to say on that. I'm just like, holy shit. Like y'all really are going all in on the, on this, like this dude, like really is not the sharpest tool in the shed and probably maybe literally the dullest tool in most sheds. So, but I mean, this is y'all guy. And if you can't say anything else about Republicans, they are undyingly loyal. And Jesus Christ, man. If I had people like y'all supporting me, goddamn, I'd take over the world too. <laughs> I mean, Jesus, man. Like, what can't Trump do? I mean, y'all, y'all, we, we all saw the same Helsinki summit last week. We all saw how he immediately said, oh, yeah, we're going to invite Putin to, to the White House, you know, in a couple months. That'll be cool. You know, like, we all saw this happen. And y'all response is, yeah, we going after the cop trying to arrest this dude. Like, damn. But, you know, that's where we're at. So let me uh, continue reading this. Another interesting part. Meadows said Rosenstein should be impeached because of the Justice Department's stonewalling of congressional subpoenas and hiding information from Congress and for signing on uh, signing one of the FISA warrant, warrant renewals for Trump campaign foreign policy advisor Carter Page. Rosenstein has fiercely pushed back against his House Republican critics, warning in May that the Justice Department is not going to be extorted amid threats that he could be impeached. So Rosenstein is definitely not going to go down without a fight, which I appreciate, you know, because he seems to be like, like, he seems to be like the single like gatekeeper between like normal democracy and totalitarian government. 
And it's kind of weird that it just comes down to one person. But, you know, that's where we're at. So it feels like America's hanging on by a thread. And I have literally zero faith or uh, trust in Republicans. So I will always, to my dying day, assume the worst and be surprised when they disappoint me. And um, we are on track for them to keep on making me right. So we'll see how this pans out. It could just be a bluff, but y'all really committing to this support Trump till the day we die politically uh, angle. So, yeah, we'll see how it works out for you. And uh, on to the next story. So this story broke a couple of days ago. It seems to be playing out in slow motion a little bit. And it's it's really interesting because I keep seems like I'm hearing more, but more about it by the hour almost over the last like, what, like four days. And this is a story that, you know, I would assume most people have been hearing, especially as of yesterday. So CNN obtained some tapes, uh, well, obtained a tape, I guess, of Trump and Michael Cohen talking before the election. And this is interesting because it, it broke last week, like last Friday, I believe, that Michael Cohen had tapes. No, 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 I take that back. Uh, he it broke that he had multiple tapes on Trump, I believe. Because it already said he had taped Trump, and then Trump was surprised, and then he wants us to believe that the Russians didn't tape him. Like, yeah, I didn't know my lawyer was taping me, but, you know, a foreign hostile government, there's no way they taped me. Like, that doesn't even sound right on paper. But, you know, you know, Trump supporters will believe anything unless a Democrat says it, so. That's where we're at. (laughs) I mean, what can you do but laugh and cry? I mean, this... Jesus Christ. I mean, and that's not even talking about all the kids who are still separated from their parents. And if I'm not mistaken, the deadline to reunite them is tomorrow. I can guarantee you they're not going to make that. I think they already said like 900 parents are like, quote unquote, ineligible, whatever the fuck that means. Like, we just going to take your kid and then two months later decide, mm, nah, we just going to keep him. Be like, what the fuck? Like... Yeah, this this whole fucking incompetent train wreck of an administration has no lack of surprises. That's one thing that's for certain. It's every fucking day. It's just like, wow, we're doing this. Okay, we're doing that. Okay, we're just going to keep doing this shit. All right. Okay. It's just, I don't even fucking know what you call it. It's just a hot fucking mess. That's the best fucking way you can really put it. It's just a hot mess all over. So this is another CNN article. Uh, CNN exclusive, I guess. They got the tape. So uh, basically on the tape, it's pretty muffled. I think I've heard it like two or three times from like various uh, sources like Morning Joe, TYT and shit like that. It's like, I think, uh, I think possibly one other thing. I can't remember. But anyway... It, it, it keeps popping up and the main takeaway from the recording is that they're talking about paying off Karen McDougal, which was one of the two, at least two, I guess, one of the two women that Trump had slept with pretty much a couple of months after Barron, his youngest son, was born. So one was Stormy Daniels. I know mean, that's the bigger story. It's the crazier story. And then the one that kind of just like slid by was the Karen McDougal story. And this story, the reason why it slid by is because she didn't have any like animosity towards Trump. And she kind of seems sympathetic to him even now. 
and like yeah we hooked up we were like having an affair i think it was like for a year or so and um like she like like genuinely liked him and it was really weird to hear her like talk glowingly about this fucking borderline wannabe dictator and she was like yeah he's a great dude blah blah blah. i think she said she voted for him if i remember correctly and yeah she didn't have any ill will towards him but the problem was that she sold her story to this newspaper basically and the newspaper was like oh yeah we're gonna publish a story we're gonna give you a column we're gonna give you all these like cover shots you're gonna blow up you know you're gonna be uh, talking about like i think it was like uh, aging beauty or something like that i can't remember but basically they were gonna give her a column build up her profile her career blah 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 none of this happened because what happened behind the scenes i guess i have to say allegedly at this point so allegedly what happened behind the scenes is that donald trump had reached out to Michael Cohen or vice versa. Michael Cohen reaches out to the people who own this newspaper and say, we will give you money to pay her off and then just take her story and never publish it. And so that's basically where they're telling her all this shit. We're going to do like, oh yeah, we're going to uh, blow you. We're going to, you know, give you all these uh, columns and covers and shit like that was just basically the con that they fed to her so they would so she would sell her their story and this all happened right before the election roughly about the same time as all the stormy daniel shit stormy daniel shit was happening before the election as well so on this recording they talk about parent paying off karen mcdougall and the reason why this recording is interesting is because uh they mentioned paying in cash and as some people have been saying lately why does a rich dude need to pay $150,000 in cash? Are you the mob? <laughs> like, that's basically what people have been saying. And it seems by all accounts, yes, Trump is the fucking mob. And at least wants to be, tries to be. Seemingly succeeds at being. So, yeah, we hired a mobster t- Twitter troll for president. So, you know, I hope y'all voted. I hope y'all plan on voting that's what we got and uh so let me just read a little bit of this article so trump is heard on tape discussing with his attorney michael cohen how they would buy the rights to a playboy model story about an alleged affair trump had with her years earlier and down into the story cohen told trump about his plans to set up in a, a company and finance the purchase of the rights from american media which publishes the national Enquirer. inquirer The recording captures what appears to be a routine business conversation of several matters on their agenda. The audio is muffled and the meaning of Trump's use of the word cash is disputed by the two sides. So what happens apparently is that uh, Lanny Davis and Michael Cohen, they basically say that Trump was trying to pay in cash and then Michael Cohen was like, no, 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 we're not going to pay in cash. And, Rudy Giuliani and Trump are basically saying that, no, what I said was that I did not want to pay in cash. And me, a third party, would just say, why are you discussing about paying in cash if you didn't do it? You know what I mean? Like, this is not boding well for you, my G, but, you know, obviously he doesn't face any political repercussions in the long term it seems like his uh, poll numbers are in the toilet right now i believe he's about like 38 percent 
Uh, I think that was the last thing I heard. I've heard uh, as of last week, I think it was like at 41 or 43. And I think this week it's at like 38 or something. These are all like a week behind. And I'm not sure if those are accurate or if I'm mixing up polls, but that was the number that got stuck in my head. So, yeah, we are, we're debating about him paying off porn stars because, you know, plural, not even porn star. And it is, it's, it's funny because it was this mixed in, it was like, a, I think like a two, like a one or two, three minute clip or something like that. And it's this mixed in with like normal business conversation. Like, yeah, we're going to, uh, you know, we're going to intimidate this pastor or whatever. Hopefully this dude will say good things about me on TV. All right. What about this dude who's in my back pocket? All right. Um, also pay off that bitch. Um, you know, I'm obviously paraphrasing. This is like the gist of this three minute call. And What's interesting that I heard as of this morning is that uh, I, I I already knew that Robert Mueller had access to these tapes because I would assume that's why they're even relevant at all. And so what I heard as of this morning, there may be as many as 13 of these t- secret recordings that Michael Cohen did. So obviously he was right to record them because Trump is a notorious liar and he definitely needed some insurance. And I really, really, really do hope it is 13, maybe even more, because I feel like every nail is necessary, especially when you're trying to, like, bury a vampire in his coffin. You know what I mean? Like, you can't just, like, tack it down like, oh, you got three nails, you're good. Like, nah, you might need, like, 7,800 nails just to make sure he doesn't bust out of that coffin. So, you gotta be strong nails, too. They can't be weak, flimsy shits. I know 99-cent nails. Nah, nigga, you need them fucking like deadbolt type of nails, you know, seal the motherfucker in, like make sure he is completely done politically, just end the shit, and yeah, uh, that's the only way we're gonna get out of this, in my opinion, so is this, I guess it's just more nails, hopefully I'm wrong about 2020, but uh, we're definitely a couple hundred thousand nails short of winning by 2020, but you know, 2018 is looking nice, so we'll see what happens. And uh, I want to talk about one story. I won't get too into it, but this story has been bothering me because I have, uh, I know one people, person in the NRA. And so I can't like say the whole organization and I'll just direct this directly at NRA leadership. But it's really fucking annoying how no one's really talking about the NRA story anymore with the fucking Russian spy. So, um, if you didn't know, there was a basically a confirmed Russian spy, uh, who got outed last week during the whole Helsinki shit. And, um, her name was Maria Butina and this is from the Rolling Stone. So let me, uh, re they, they talked about it, how I'm feeling, how the NRA has basically not said shit about this. So this article will talk about it a little bit. As of this writing, the NRA has issued no public comment about this week's arrest and indictment of Maria Butina, a 29-year-old Russian guns, gun rights activist who had spent years ingratiating herself with the NRA, as well as Republican politicians and conservative no- notables. Butina is suspected of conspiracy to act as an unauthorized agent of the Russian Federation within the United States without the authorization of Attorney General, a.k.a. Spy. I'm adding that extra. Back to the article. And yet, all we hear from the notoriously outspoken group is crickets. The NRA contributed 
$30 million to help Donald Trump in 2016. The FBI has been investigating whether some or all of that cash may have been supplied by Russia. Rolling Stone reported in April that Russian central banker Alexander Torshin, along with Butina, had deeper ties to the NRA than previously known. The NRA even flew a delegation to Moscow in 2015 to meet with Kremlin officials, including one freshly sanctioned by the Obama administration. So, this is this, like, fucking, this banana's, like, really, like, Russian spy gets arrested, and, because we already know Mueller has indicted dozens, and so we actually get one arrested, and it's like a footnote story. And it just blows my mind that that's where we're at. So, as I've said, it feels like nothing even matters. <laughs> this, like, holy shit. We, this, you know, this, all right, Russian spies caught NRA is like, uh, yeah, I'm not going to touch that one with a 10-foot pole. And the whole, you know, just donating crazy amounts to Trump is really on brand. But it's really frustrating about how, like, it's it is we 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 really pretend we live in a de- democracy but we really live in an oligarchy like the rich decide what's going to happen and we're kind of just like along for the ride and we like feel like we, like our vote matters and every once in a while it actually does like with alexandria ocasio-cortez that was proof of a vote actually mattering and so you can't give up hope despite how hopeless everything fucking feels and as much as i feel hopeless it's not like i'm gonna not vote in november Unless I'm like in a different country or something. But it's not like I'm going to like intentionally not vote in November just because I feel hopeless about 2020. I'm still going to try. But it's just like, holy shit, why is everything so terrible all the time? And it's just, yeah, I mean, I just don't, I'm not the only one. But it's just like, how, why, why would I trust the NRA? And I understand that's like, you know, as I mentioned, I know people in the NRA. They're cool people. But it's just like dude like come on man like is there like a can y'all like start like a new organization or like boycott them a little bit like be late with the dudes or something i don't know just we can't just be empowering this shit like every fucking election you know what i mean like the nra was naturally like oh yeah obama's gonna take your guns obama's gonna take your guns so naturally it just translates to hillary's gonna take your guns so they have to support trump i get that but, like, bro, like, y'all really work with the Russians just to spite the rest of America? Like, y'all really hate universal background checks that much? Like, goddamn. Y'all really hate gun safety that much? But, apparently, yes. But, anyway, on to my last story. Uh, this is the most recent, like, big story, it feels like. So, this originally broke yesterday. And when I, when I first heard the story, I got immediately pissed off. And so we all know that Trump is, well, if you're listening to me, you probably know this for certain, but I would assume we all know that Donald Trump is a dumb motherfucker and that's putting it nicely. And when dumb motherfuckers get in power, they usually make dumb motherfucking decisions. And one of his many, 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 many dumb motherfucking decisions was to start a trade war with damn near every fucking country that's not named Russia. So, Trump starts a trade war, and when you start a trade war the way he did, which is basically this tariff everyone, tariffs basically are taxes on the people who live in the country. So, it's not like 
the people who are making this stuff are paying more to send it here, but we are paying more to buy their items, which would in turn make us buy less of their items. And that's why it's a punishment to them. And so when you just tariff everybody all the fucking time, we're paying more for this. And then not only that, they're going to tariff you back and then you're going to inevitably hurt jobs because when our industries stop importing or start decreasing their, uh, I mean, st stop exporting and decreasing their exports and all their imports cost more money, that will inevitably affect business negatively. I mean, if you're paying more for the shit that you're buying and you're selling less of the shit that you're making, how the fuck is that a success plan? And that's basically Donald Trump's like plan right now. Like, I'm just going to fuck over everyone in America to, you know, spite these other countries because I don't give a fuck. And then eventually this will work out for me politically because these other countries will cave because I'm awesome and they suck. That's basically his game plan. And since the other countries are not born yesterday and are not five years old, they're just like, all right, you're going to attack your tariff me for no fucking reason. All right, I guess I have to match you. And so we have all these tit for tat tariffs going on. And we, uh, and the, the, the funniest thing about the tariffs is that I, the thing I'm really appreciative of is that the, the countries that are tariffing, uh, tariff it, oh, that's hard to say, tariffing are us are basically doing it specifically to counties and states and towns that voted for Trump. So most, like, I think by like a two to three margin, I mean, by a two thirds margin, I believe that all of the negative tariff effects are just hitting red states. So it's all hitting like Iowa and like farmers and shit, which leads me to the next story. So what's really fucking annoying is that since he's decided he wants to start a trade war without any kind of planning or intelligence, he kind of, you know, fucked over his own people. And when I say his own people, I don't mean Americans. I mean Republicans and poor, and poor whites. So they are kind of pissed off. And his result, I mean, his uh, his fix for this is, eh, I'll just give $12 billion to some farmers, man. That'll, that'll fix it. And, and shockingly enough, they don't even think that's a good idea. So that's cool. Republicans still think this is a bad idea. Farmers think this is a bad idea. And Democrats are just screaming like, why can't we get healthcare in college when you're just fucking shitting out billions and trillions to fucking millionaires and trillionaires and then farmers to cover your own ass? And so let me read a little bit of this uh, Washington Post article. The Trump administration on Tuesday announced up to $12 billion in emergency aid to farmers caught in an escalating trade war, seeking to temper growing Republican dissent over President Trump's trade policies. The aid is designed to help farmers facing tariffs in China, Mexico, and other countries that impose the levies on U.S. products in response to Trump's new tariffs on imported steel and aluminum. It is the latest sign that growing trade tensions between the United States and other countries are unlikely to end soon. White House officials say farmers will begin seeing payments by September, and they hope the payments will quiet protests from farm groups and lawmakers, many of them Republicans, who contend that Trump's confrontational trade policy is harming American farmers months before the 2018 midterm elections. <sighs> 
So naturally, this is a political move. Like, how do I, you know, appease my base long enough for them to vote Republican in November? And not only is this terrible timing and terrible policy, but as I said earlier, I'm surprised that they are actually smart enough to not go for it. Because I would think they were like, oh, yeah, Trump wants to give us stuff. Make America great again. You know, I think it would be a dumb response like that or something. So, you know, kudos to them for actually, you know, agreeing with common sense and thinking this is a bad idea. Because generally speaking, they're not with it. And which is kind of funny because it sounds like Trump, in my opinion, is just kind of like, just shut the fuck up and take this money. Because I don't want to hear you guys complain. So, uh, yeah, shit's going to be rough. Because I'm not smart enough to get us out of here correctly. So, uh, hopefully $12 billion covers it. <laughs> you know, it's like the it's like the equivalent of giving uh, a bonus instead of a raise. You know what I mean? Like, if you give a bonus, it's nice immediately. But if you give a raise, it's nice indefinitely. You know? So, um, I mean... Uh, good for them for figuring it out. And it, it's also funny to me because you know what this really sounds like? It sounds like the dirty word that Republicans can't stop saying lately in fear and horror and anguish. The dirty, dirty S word. It sounds like socialism. So, you know, everybody hate. Every, apparently, Democrats and Republicans alike, they hate Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I mean, normal people love her, but if you're in power and you're a politician, odds are you're, you're not fucking with her too much. You're not liking that message of take from the rich and give people, you know, a regular wage and health care because that's probably going to negatively affect your donors. So, you know, it, everybody hates socialism when it's trying to give your kids health care and affordable college, but, you know, when you're covering your own ass so you can get votes socialism's the bomb so whatever but anyway let's move on to some video game talk so i am about 53 hours into octopath traveler and the addiction level is getting real high and in a bad way because I am enjoying this game so much. My physical, not, well, not physical, but I'll say the level of maintenance in this apartment has dropped to record lows because I, I, I'm, I'm home alone for like a week and I have not taken out no trash. I have not washed no dishes. I have barely at the almost bare minimum levels cooked any meals. I... I haven't set up the shit I was supposed to set up. I haven't built the shit I was supposed to build. I haven't done... I haven't cleaned the bathroom. Like, pretty much everything important that I was supposed... I did do laundry. With the exclusion of doing laundry, I haven't done shit in this apartment other than sit in my room and play Octopath Traveler. And holy shit, y'all. This game is an instant classic. I, I am. I'm so high on this goddamn game. And you guys don't know how picky I am about JRPGs. I think I mentioned this before, but it's very rare for one to sink its hooks into me. The only game, only JRPGs that really ever like 
keep my entertain keep my interest like from start to finish without any wavering it's pretty much the persona series and this is like the first non-persona game i've played that's a jrpg where i just like i just can't put it down and i maybe it's it's benefiting from the fact that it's portable but i i don't even really play it portable that much like the the most i get is maybe like maybe maybe 10 minutes at work on my break or like on the bus every once in a while but it's it's all just glued to my screen just fucking addicted to this fucking game it is so goddamn good if, if y'all like jrpgs man yeah this is almost like a a system seller in my opinion because I, I honestly i would probably buy a switch for this game that's how high i am on it because i have just started chapter three and I think I've done one of the eight stories in chapter three and I have all the jobs and, um, yeah, I'm 53 hours deep. Uh, I believe Hanit is level 41. Uh, she can't be 42. I think if she's 42, she just turned 42. And I think my lowest right now, I think it's still like a 26 or something like Primrose or someone I haven't used in a while. But um, right now I'm leveling up Therian and Alfin and um, I think Osiris is in my party, but he's just there. So uh, um, my mainstay though, the party I'm like, I think I would like finish the game with is probably at this point, Hanit, Oberic, Ophelia, and Cyrus. Because uh, Hanit and Obrick just give me the power I need. Cyrus obviously gives me the magic I need. And Ophelia keeps everyone from dying. And Obrick also kind of in a way keeps everyone from dying because of his cover ability. So uh, yeah, uh, I, I won't talk about the story. You know, I won't ruin anything. But as far as the jobs go, I just unlocked that a couple of days ago. And holy shit, it, not only does it make the game a lot easier, but it just opens up so much more room for creativity in terms of playstyle, because the way the jobs work in this game is that you have a class you know your character so for example Hanit is a hunter and hunter has a specific set of moves and then like a specific set of like skills or whatever and then um you know attack defend blah blah the jobs basically give you an extra set of secondary skills. So, for example, Hanit, as I mentioned a couple times before, she's basically the Pokemon master of the game where she can, like, collect other um, monsters and shit and then, like, you know, use them as uh, moves. And But that move can't be used as a secondary move. So let's, let's say, for example, if I make Ulbrich a soldier hunter, he can't, you know, bust out the Pokemons. He can only, you know, do arrow moves and shit like that. So it's interesting layer to the game. And um, I'm trying to figure out which combinations work best. And now that I realize that I can, um, you know, mix and match and no one's locked in, it, it kind of gives you an incentive to level up to jobs with every character for every job. So... Because I, because technically I've already gotten two maxed out with Hanit, just because she's so higher level than everyone else in my party, and um, I think like she is almost ten levels higher. No, no, I take that back. I think she's like five levels higher from like second place. So 
Hanit has uh, all of her hunter skills. She has the divine hunter skill. And she has all of the soldier skills and divine skill. So, and now I'm working on Hanit being a dancer hunter crossover. Just because now I have dark magic and I can, you know, bust out my Pokemons. So, yeah, it, it's really fun. I'm really enjoying the, uh, and it definitely is not easy. That's the best part. Not only is the, the battle mechanics make sense and make the gameplay fun and make the fights fun. And like, you actually want to do them, but they are not easy either. Like, it's not like you're just going to walk away. Oh, it's going to be a breeze. Cause like, even though I've only died, I think like maybe two times in like 53 hours, maybe I've, like all the boss fights, it's just because I had to intentionally over level and know exactly what I was doing and kind of like get lucky with a couple of, you know, um, certain people dying at certain times. So definitely not one of those just walk in the park RPGs and it, it's off the fucking hook. And I wish it, I, honestly, it's, it's so good. I kind of wish it was on more, more platforms just so more people would play it. But yeah, dude, it, it's so good. It, it, it's amazing. And it, I wanted it to be the artwork for this episode, but it, you know, it seems like other shit keeps happening because I wanted it to be the artwork for last week's episode, but you know, I didn't know Trump was going to debase himself in front of the world. And this week, I didn't know another Republican was going to depance himself in front of the world. So I'm going to get into that later. And uh, I know some of y'all already know where I'm going with that. But, um, yeah, Octopath Traveler, man, uh, I want to play it when I, when I finish recording, but I don't think I'm going to have time tonight. It's got so much other shit I have to do and it's already late, but I'm probably going to find a way to play it either. E- anyway, even if that means lack of sleep, it's cause it's, it's that good. But, um, other than that, that's all I've been playing. Uh, I, I haven't even thought about any other games, honestly. And like, I was thinking about like what comes out in like August and shit. And I think other, I think I might, if I'm still playing this at the end of August, then I will definitely skip Monster Hunter. But I think I should be done with it by the middle of August. We'll see. Cause I'm definitely breezing along right now. I'm at 53 hours and that went by very quickly. So I'm, I'm damn near playing this game like a second job. It's so fun. But you know, video game addictions are like that sometimes, but anyway. Let's get into the first video game story. So it's just a little quick hitter. Uh, caught my eye. Apparently, Fortnite is just fucking just doing bonanzas uh, money-wise. Um, I, I don't know how specifically their money model works other than, like, you know, you know, buying items or whatever in-game. So I'm like, I don't know how, like, for example, how they make as much as they do on what consoles, whatever what sells the most, blah, blah, blah. I don't know any of those specifics. But according to Bloomberg, they are just cranking out them dollars right now. They're kind of like Nintendo where like the memes, like it just prints money. That's kind of like what Fortnite does. So uh, let us read a little bit of this article. Between the release of the current version in September and the end of May, Fortnite brought in more than $1.2 billion, according to Super Data Research. And as of early June, it has been played by 125 million people. And not only that, but Fortnite is on track to generate $2 billion this year. So uh, congratulations to the creators of that game for apparently this, you know, 
just jacking a vein and just, you know, taking money out of that shit. So, uh, yeah, keep it up, man. I believe season five just started like a couple weeks ago. Um, it definitely, Fortnite is definitely not my thing. I keep trying to force myself to like it, but it's just, it's not working for me. Every time I play, I just like walk around for like five, ten minutes and then die in like a point three second interaction with the first player I see. If I'm lucky, I'll get one kill and then die. But yeah, it's just not my game, but power to the people who love it. They're definitely making money like gangbusters. So get that money, boo boo. And uh, the next story, this story just made me laugh because it's, it's, it's a sub Nintendo. The Sony Nintendo. So, apparently, the you can pre-order a Nintendo's online service. So, why would you need to pre-order a service? I have no idea. Can the service sell out? No, it can't. Can't. I, I mean, like, I guess you could say the service could crash, but like, if the service crashed and you can't play your game anyway. So, it's not like like it's just not. It's, I I don't get it. But this is from IGN. Nintendo's paid online service doesn't have a concrete release date, but you can now buy a prepaid subscription and prepare yourself for the inevitable. A 12-month Nintendo Switch Online subscription is available for $19.99 at Amazon right now, while a 3-month Nintendo Switch Online subscription is available for $7.99. The products page at Amazon sales will email you once the service is available. So... It's like, why do you need to pre-order something that's one, not even a game, two, can't even sell out, and three, doesn't even have a fucking release date? And as far as I know, I don't even think they're concrete on what the product actually is. I think they mentioned that that they're well. I know they mentioned the article says so. They're gonna have some. Uh, they're gonna have twenty Nintendo Classic games at launch, and. I mean, that's cool, but if that's the whole service, I'm like, I don't, you know, whatever. And I, I feel like Nintendo has to release this at around the time Smash Bros. comes out because if this service isn't out by the time Smash Bros. is out, I can't imagine it's selling well at all. Because I, 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 only the diehards will buy it at that point because I just don't, personally, I just don't play online games that much. Maybe I'll go back to Splatoon 2 at some point, but, you know, uh, I, you know, if they start charging me 20 bucks just to, you know, play Mario Kart online once a year, like, you know, it's not worth it. <laughs> so, you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, that's just my default. You know, I, I won't pass judgment until it comes out. Maybe it'll be dope if they can, you know, just figure out how to get trophies. I mean, that would really sell it, but, you know. You know, this Nintendo, they seem to be pretty good at making money. So I'll just, you know, trust the process on that one. And uh, my last video game story is coming from Bethesda's forums at Bethesda.net. So apparently uh, Fallout 76 has a little bit more info on the beta. So this uh, was released uh, two days ago. And apparently in October... They're going to start uh, selecting people who have pre-ordered the game first from participating retailers about uh, entering the beta. So um, anyone who's purchased a game, oh, who's pre-ordered the game from a participating retailer, doesn't specify who, by the way, will be included in the beta. And they also have said that they're going to uh, answer more questions 
during QuakeCon, which is uh, August 9th to the 12th. So, you know, this is, this is good news. I honestly can't remember if I pre-ordered Fallout or not. I don't think I did. But um, maybe I will now, just because I might want to play the beta before I buy the game. Because, you know, worst case scenario, I hate the beta, and I can just cancel my pre-order. So, unless they, like, lock you in or something. I don't know. But, you know, yeah, this is interesting. Um, I definitely am a huge, huge Fallout fan, so... If I don't get into this beta, I'll definitely buy the game regardless, just because I need to know. You know, unless the reviews are just horrible, then I'll maybe return it or something. But yeah, it's I I is as, as, as skeptical as I am about this game in particular. I don't think Bethesda would make a bad game on purpose, and you know, they might be buggy as fuck, but I don't think it'll be bad. So um, I'm going to hold out judgment on that one as well. And I am definitely excited to see what it's like in the final product and get my hands on it. Because uh, I'm already kind of worried about how VATS is going to work. That's like probably my biggest fear about Fallout 76. Because if it's with other players, then I can't just pause the game and take 45 minutes aiming. You know. So, yeah. Um, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. And let's talk about a little bit of televisiones. So I have been watching Orphan Black over the weekend. And that's pretty much the only show I've really been watching over the last couple of days. Because as I mentioned, I've just been all in on Octopath Traveler. And um, after I finished How to Get Away with Murder... My, um, I kept saying I was going to watch this, I was going to watch that, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to catch up on this show, catch up on that show. But um, for some reason, I just decided I'm going to finally cross off Orphan Black off my list. So um, the season ended uh, a couple of months ago, if I'm not mistaken. And I, I, I want to say it was even longer than that. But anyway, so season five is the last season. I am on episode seven of season five. So I got like, I think four more episodes before I'm finished with the series. And um, I watched pretty much all of season four and re not repeat, but for the second time. And I was just like skipping through it really quickly as I forgot everything that happened because I hadn't seen the show in so long. So uh, I, I pretty much had to refresh my memory for the whole fourth season and then started watching season five and it and it's been pretty great and um if you haven't heard of orphan black it's a canadian show which still surprises me i always thought it was a british show but um so orphan black is about this this is a spoiler from the first episode so i'm gonna have to deal with that so um the, this show is basically about this chick she's on the run if i remember correctly because uh, i saw it years ago if I remember correctly, she was running away from her boyfriend at the time. He, he He's no longer relevant, so don't even worry about it. But um, I don't know if it's a spoiler too, but, you know, who cares about the side piece? You know what I mean? Like, no one cares about the side piece. But um, anyway, she's running away from Duke and she goes to the train tracks and sees this chick who looks exactly like her kill herself. So she takes her identity pretends to be her and yada 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 she finds out that she was a clone 
And so the whole show is basically about clones. And um, it's it's an interesting sci-fi slash thriller show. Especially in the beginning, it's more like a traditional thriller. And then, like, they work in the clones pretty, like, kind of slowly a little bit. Can't remember if it's episode one or episode two, but they work it in pretty early. So, um, and it's five seasons deep, so. I recommend the show. And one of the best things about the show is that it's on Amazon Prime, so it's very accessible. Because I would, I would argue that more people have Amazon Prime than have Hulu. Just because it seems like everyone has Amazon Prime these days. So, uh, it, it, the whole show, the entire show is on Amazon Prime. And, um, the season five is uh, pretty shaping up to be good. If I'm not mistaken, it has been nominated for an Emmy. So, uh, you know, this is dope. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's a cool show. It, it definitely got lost in the shuffle of all my other TV shows. So I put it off for a really, really long time. So I'm really glad I'm finally watching it and I'm enjoying what I'm seeing. But um, I did have to stop because, as I mentioned, you know, Octopath is just taking too much of my attention. And I was getting this obsessed with, you know, uh, um, level grinding and, you know, finishing the stories and all that shit. There are a handful of stories that are really good. Especially the uh, Chapter 3 Alphan story is really surprisingly good. Because that was the story I dismissed as just being like, oh, I want to be a great apothecary, blah, blah, blah. And no, chapter three got pretty dark. I was like, oh, shit. So, um, yeah, this game, is, this story is uh, definitely has some highs. So, you know, um, anyway, back to Orphan Black. Uh, yeah, this show's cool. Uh, if you like a uh, sci- Because it definitely has... it's It gets more sci-fi heavy in the later seasons, but... If you're definitely into sci-fi, well, if yeah, if you're into sci-fi and thrillers and you know, kind of like the slow burn mystery kind of sort of shows, then I recommend this one. And um, the main actress, if I'm not mistaken, she's Canadian as well. Uh, I think her name is Tatiana Maslany. So um, yeah, she uh, you know, it's a clone, so she plays all of her clones. Which, uh, the one thing I, I love about that show that is always funny to me is that, like, I think about how much of a cost saver it is to have, like, I mean, I'm exaggerating, but have, like, 40 characters on screen, you're only playing one actress. So it's like, damn, that's one paycheck for, like, 78 characters. I mean, that's a steal. So, I mean, wardrobe, you know, is probably pay- getting paid over time, but, you know, as far as actual actors, you know, you just gotta, you just gotta pay the one actress and you're good. So, you know, um, yeah, it's a cool little show. But um, other than that, uh, the only thing I watched this week that was of note was, well, it's definitely going to lead me into my next story, but was Who is America? So uh, Sasha Baron Cohen, he, he, he started episode two very fucking strongly. So uh, this show is definitely has all the makings of an instant classic. So um, Sasha Baron Cohen... It's this fucking genius. He pretends to be this uh, Mossad agent, which I actually didn't notice until it was pointed out to me. So maybe I'm dumb. But uh, basically, every time he says, I was in the Mossad, he always follows it up with, not in Mossad. So that's really funny because I never noticed it until it was pointed out to me. So he's like, I was 13 years in the Mossad, not in Mossad. And, uh, you know, I I started in the Mossad, not in Mossad. And it, it just, I just... You know, it's funny. But anyway, he uh, tricked this uh, 
GOP uh, state representative Jason Spencer into basically showing his true colors in every sense of the word. And um, so this guy basically just (laughs) made a literal ass of himself. So he signed up for this what class like two not even class but whatever so sasha baron cohen pretends to be a Mossad agent not Mossad, and he convinces this dude jason spencer how to you know fight isis and how to avoid being kidnapped and you know uh how to scare and how to find the terrorists so i'm definitely gonna ruin this episode for you because i can describe it all i want and it's not anywhere near as funny as if you actually watch him do this shit so he says you know if you want to spot uh someone in a uh, i think it was like a burqa or whatever but like a full body you know uh outfit of the uh muslim women i forgot what the name of it is but uh, basically if you want to see if there's a terrorist under there it could be a dude could be a woman you don't know you put a phone on a selfie stick and then take pictures underneath like you're trying to like do an upskirt and um he says you have to distract them so they don't see what you're doing and so you have to pretend to be chinese and um so he says pretend to be chinese so they won't know that you're trying to take pictures of them so this dude jason spencer republican of the georgia house of representatives elected in 2010 i have to say this because he had actual power and emphasis on had so um he you know, to be, to be, pretend to be Chinese was basically like, Konnichiwa, da, 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 and this is started speaking gibberish. And, you know, th- that was the first, first strike. Strike two is when you're trying to be kidnapped from an ISIS member, you have to, what do you do to avoid a kidnapping? And so he says, well, you scream. And he says, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen says, there's one word in America that's forbidden though. One word, the N word. And if you scream the uh, scream this word, it's the one word that's forbidden in America. So just scream it, and then you'll be fine. And so you know, naturally, this white Republican <laughs> Georgia House Representative member, you know, he says the hard R, nigger, nigger. <laughs> this starts screaming it, and then you know Sasha Baron Cohen like whoa. whoa, whoa, whoa. The N word is nooning. <laughs> what word? That word is disgusting. What's wrong with you? <laughs> and then that's that's the hard strike two, and then strike three. He says, if you want to scare off ISIS, you know their one thing they're afraid of is being gay, because you know ISIS hates homosexual people. So if you touch them with your butt it'll automatically make them gay so it'll scare them off. So he says, you know, just charge at them with your ass first and then they'll be afraid of you because they don't want to touch your butt. And so they'll put the gun down. And he's like, you know, take off your pants. And then he needs to take off the pants. He's like, no, 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 take off your underwear too. So this fool got bare ass and starts trying to run at Sasha Baron Cohen ass backwards. And start screaming, America! <laughs> Just fucking classic. So that was strike three. And, you know, in the current political climate, I'm thinking he is just a shoe in for re-election. So uh, I was wrong. He announced today he is resigning. <laughs> so, you know, th- this episode broke on Sunday. 
So he lasted a whole, what, like over two days. So Republicans, man, goddamn, they're tough. <laughs> Democrats would have folded before that shit even aired. It's like, oh my God, what have I done? <laughs> Democrats would have snitched on themselves, man. <laughs> but um, yeah, that, 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 that shit made me laugh so fucking hard and I was watching that with my girlfriend too and I, I showed her that show for the first time because episode one was amazing so I was like hey let's watch episode two it's probably gonna be great didn't know it was gonna start with that that was the first scene and then to top it off <laughs> days later bro resigns I'm like wow we really saw history happen right before our eyes <laughs> but um on to the news. <laughs> so, uh, I don't even know if you can uh, quite call this news. Eh, probably news. But um, there's a little bit of details coming out from uh, the new season of Z Nation, which is supposed to come out of fall of this year. So, season five, you know, apparently, because like every season of Z Nation always incorporates some new type of zombie. And apparently, according to Fandom Wikia, this season is going to introduce talking zombies. And um, this is from the co-creator and writer Carl Schaefer. He says, the black rain from the uh, end of season four kind of, it, it's spoiler, but not really a spoiler. But, you know, how about I'll just say the black rain and let you figure it out. I'll leave it at that. But let's just say the black rain led to talking zombies and um he says they're called talkers you know clever name i guess and um they can think and cause various sorts of trouble so you know i'm interested uh after i gave up on the walking dead z nation i it always seemed interesting to me just from like you know like clips and trailers or whatever not even trailers but just like you know random images you would see i'm like eh, okay i like zombies i'll check it out and I never got around to it until like I think like earlier this year, late last year. I can't actually, I don't even think it was that long. I can't remember. But I got into it recently, loved it, and it's basically just what a zombie TV show should be. And you know what that is? Entertaining. <laughs> so uh, The Walking Dead, like the reason why I fell off of it. Cause it just felt like every episode was filler and nothing was fucking happening. And Z Nation is like the exact opposite where it just feels like everything is always happening. And episode, even like when there are filler episodes, they're just so ridiculous and fun that they're just like, all right, I'll roll with it. Like there's one episode where they have basically like not a brothel, but like these crazy women are just like lure dudes to their house and bang them and then turn them into zombie pets. And, you know, I'm like, you know, like this ridiculous, like it doesn't have to be serious. Obviously zombies aren't real. So the thing I love about Z Nation is that it makes zombies fun. So that if I'm ever president, that's going to be one of my platforms. Make zombies fun again. And, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm down for the talking zombies because this show threw out, you know, uh, What's the word? Like, uh, groundedness, I guess. Like, this show is not one of those shows where you're like, oh, that's realistic. Like, no, this show is ridiculous. They got meth zombies and baby zombies and stripper zombies. Like, bruh, this is a, a smoke a blunt and watch the show and enjoy the shit. That's basically all you got to do. Because it's hard to do anything else. 
because when you are high and you're watching Z Nation, everything is amazing. And um, yeah, well, let's see where the season goes. Uh, um, uh, it's pretty much all the seasons, in my opinion, have just been getting better and better, kind of like the 100. So um, yeah, um, I'm down with season five. Let's see where it goes. And uh, next story, uh, Netflix announced recently, uh, this is from USA Today, um, their uh, list of shows that shows and movies that are coming and going for August. And there are only a couple that really caught my eye on this list. And um, what really, like the, like the first one was on August 1st, so I, that one caught my eye. And that's Clerks. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. And then on the 5th, Paid in Full, another one of my favorite movies of all time. Clerks, comedy, uh, written by Kevin Smith. Paid in Full, uh, starring Avon Barksdale from The Wire. I forgot his acting, his real name, so that's my fault. And um, August 15th, season 5 of The 100. And I'm really behind in The 100, which is really bumming me out because I got to catch up. I know I do. I think I'm on like episode 5. And I think the show is on episode 10. And if I'm not mistaken, the series, well, not series, the season ends on episode 13. So um, August 15th, they're going to have the whole season on Netflix. So if you're trying to catch up, it's about to be the perfect, well, technically it's already the perfect time because you got to watch, you know, season one through four. So uh, season five is coming real soon. So just hold out for that. And um, uh, as all the, the first, I think, four episodes I've seen were off the hook. So, you know, just like every other season of this show is fucking great. So you can't go wrong with the 100. So keep your eye out for that. And um, August 17th, I've been trying to keep my eye out for this one. Enchantment comes out, which is uh, Matt Groening, the creator of The Simpsons and Futurama. This is his, his Netflix show. And so that's August 17th. And if I'm not mistaken, it's kind of like about a witch. I forgot what it's about, but it, as you can tell by the name of the uh, uh, the name of the show, it has to deal with magic. So um, definitely, art style looks heavily like The Simpsons, but just like a Harry Potter version. So um, yeah, I'm 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 down to check it out. And uh, season two of The Good Place comes out on the 28th, near the end of the month. If you haven't seen The Good Place, it's a very funny show. And uh, season three is probably starting in like September or something like that. That's usually why they put the new seasons out on Netflix is because the following season is coming out relatively soon. I'm not sure what day Good Place season three starts, but I would be surprised if it wasn't September. So um, that's also a good one. And then uh, last but not least, the one I'm most excited for on this list, Ozark season two, August 31st. So my best friend and one of my friends from elementary school, I don't even think I've, I think they've met each other one time and they're, I, they're not two people I would say have any, have much in common with each other. And, um, the one thing that they do have in common is that they both think this show is fucking off the hook. So between their two recommendations, I checked it out. I watched it. I was like, holy shit, this show is very gripping. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm ready for season two. And the only thing that's leaving Netflix in August that I even gave a shit about was The 40-Year-Old Virgin, and that's leaving on August 16th. So if you've never seen that movie, it's, I don't know what you're doing with your life, that movie is beyond funny. So um, yeah, go check that shit out. And last but not least of the stories is uh, apparently HBO has 
not really given a release date, but kind of narrowed the release window to the first half of 2018. It's according to the Huffington Post. So, um... Uh, the eighth and final season of Game of Thrones will make its debut in the first half of 2019. HBO programming president Casey Bloys told reporters assembled for the Television Critics Association summer tour in Beverly Hills, California today. So um, production is pretty much wrapped up on season eight, which will consist of just six episodes. And each of those will likely clock in at around the same extended length as those of season seven. So, um... You know, if you've uh, seen season seven, which I assume you have if you were watching the uh, Game of Thrones and even care about the story, that um, you remember that those episodes are pretty much all like movies, pretty much going to be the same style for this season. And based off of uh, season seven, season eight is going to be probably one of the most impressive moments in television history. And I don't say that lightly because season seven has built up the fucking hype. And it ended on such a strong note. And in my opinion, every episode of season 7 was like, if not a 9.5, they were all 10s. So, um, I'm assuming season 8 is going to be along those lines, if not better. So, my hopes are sky high for this. And that doesn't happen often with television shows, but I think this is one of the few ones that can actually live up to the hype. So, you know, uh, the wait is 6 to 8 months, so... I'm not going to be losing sleep over because it's so long from now, but when it comes, oh my God, if y'all think people talk about Game of Thrones a lot now, holy shit, when that last season start, y'all better get caught up because everything going to be spoiled all the fucking time. I might have to like block it on Twitter or something because shit is going to get real, real quick. But um, anyway, so that's this episode of the Don't Quote Me podcast. And I hope y'all enjoyed it. You know, you can hit me up on Twitter at Ugly Flame. You know, I'm on Anchor, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Blueberry. Um, you know, you know, whatever. But anyway, fo- holla at your boy. Follow me on Twitter. Hit me up. I'm cool. I'm friendly. And um, yeah, deuces, y'all. <laughs>